making that like a fun experience where it's not like this arduous thing that we have to do that what's likely is we won't stick with it the more we can lean into those things that make this like a fun experience and consistent that can be a great great place to begin welcome to the booster boutique podcast i'm your host emily benson corporate merchant turned boutique owner turned consultant I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. So Molly, welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. My goodness, we are going to have a good time. We've already been going back and forth and so we finally decided we got to hit record because you know we could talk all day for sure so many nuggets too and you just talking about your story of how you got to teaching people how to sleep better talk us through that you know my women boutique owners we push hard we are type a people we want success and a lot of times that comes with costs to our physical health and i think Bringing you on is one of my ways to remind people like, hello, you can be successful and get a full night of rested sleep. Yes, absolutely. You nailed it. So uh, yeah, number one, I'm so grateful that we've gotten the opportunity to kind of chat more and then are you know going to be able to share what we're both clearly passionate about today. So a little background. Uh, yeah, my name is Molly McLaughlin. I own a company called Sleep is a Skill that helps people optimize their sleep through a blend of technology, accountability, behavioral change. And as you, you know, kind of pointed to, I completely relate to your, to your audience from the sounds of it, because uh, as we were just chatting about part of what occurred for me was living that entrepreneurial lifestyle and burning the candle at both ends in Manhattan at the time for years and years. And uh, much of my adult life and even teenage years and even earlier uh, relating to my sleep as something that, you know, I had a lot of labels with it. So my labels were, I'm a night owl. I'm a short sleeper. I'm an anxious sleeper. I'm not a good sleeper. Oh, it's in my jeans. All of these things that kind of related to that. It's, it's fixed. And there's really nothing to think too much about because that's just how it is for me and other people. It's different, whatever. That's how it is. That's, that was the thinking until my habits in the management of my sleep got more off the course of certainly all the things not to do I was doing. So basically I'm going to bed late, I'm waking up late, and then I'm being justified and righteous about it. Cause then I'm saying, oh, well, you know, I make my own hours, whatever. I'll just stay up later. It doesn't matter. Uh, all of this sort of dialogue, but not connecting the dots when I started getting sick more regularly, when I was getting anxious more, when my cycle was being disrupted as far as menstruation cycle and painful periods and all of these things that were kind of just these signs for my body that what how I was managing my life and my health wasn't really working. And it was not until I went through my own period of insomnia while traveling internationally, I was then looking to take, you know, my fiance and I, our businesses on the road. And with that process, the amount of stress, the level of stress that went up to make that happen, uh, my body, part of the symptomology for me was then my ability to sleep just like really went out the window, layered in with jet lag, which I had never really experienced um, to that level. And the result was, I mean, to say I felt disempowered was like an understatement of the year. Um, and actually at my lowest point, I went to the doctors in Croatia 
and went in with Google Translate and was like, uh, help, I can't sleep. And, um, you know, and they're nice and what have you, but they, with Google Translate, basically handed me over a prescription um, of their version of Ambien and, you know, good luck to you. And, and again, that was, you know, the best that they could do at the time, lots of patients, lots of, you know, and that was the approach. And so in that moment, it was really a wake up call for me, no pun intended of like, all right, I gotta really get up under this. So what resulted was going down the rabbit hole and really understanding all there was to, for me to understand around chronobiology, circadian rhythm optimization, really turning my habits upside down, my stress management upside down. Uh, but also just a number of things that I had no idea really were impacting my sleep quality when it looks at, you know, management of light, meal timing, thought timing, exercise timing, movement timing, like all these things that I just really was not connected to that were playing a role in my sleep results. And so once I got it to kind of homeostasis, then just, I could not stop talking about this topic. And so just organically started working with people one-on-one and small groups. And now we have courses and podcasts and weekly newsletters and, you know, a whole world has gotten created out of this and, you know, really, really grateful and excited to share more with you, but that's kind of the backstory. So it was really my dealing with my own problem. Um, and then it just kind of spilled into creating kind of this community around optimizing sleep. I think it's interesting how you talk about the way you were described as like, I'm just a night owl. I'm not a good sleeper. I think a lot of those things I hear all the time. And it's really interesting because it does feel like Western medicine is here's a pill for it, which that's not a long-term sustainable solution. And what it sounds like you're talking about, I mean, it sounds very complicated, like, but in terms of chronobiology, like, is that just how we're built and how like our own timing? Yes. Uh, well said. So one, I'm so glad you um, hit on the the labels thing. Cause so many people listening might say, well, oh, it sucks for you. What a story. But um, you know, I'm just fill in the blank. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Yeah. And so, and thinking, so for me, I was so convinced that I'm an extreme night owl. That's just how it is for me. And that's always going to be the case. Whereas, you know, this morning I just woke up at whatever it was like, uh, 545 and just is my normal morning. So I would have never thought that was possible for me or my fiance. Both of us were, uh, on that other end of the spectrum. And literally just this morning, I literally said to him, cause we were walking out to go into our balcony to get our morning sunlight. And I was like, I wish we could take a time machine back to our old selves. Uh, and just like, this is going to be your life. Cause we would have never thought that possible. So thank you for saying that about the labels, because it's a big, big point. Cause we might think that that's just how that's in the cards for us. And, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to glorify either that, oh, you got to become like an early bird or any of that, but that sure, there is sure. a spectrum of flexibility that actually can help support. Cause we do know that shift working, um, being outside of our kind of a circadian rhythm. And we'll get into what you said about chronobiology too, is um, uh, listed as a possible carcinogenic because we see that there's so many, an uptick in kind of a number of ailments around our overall health and well-being if that's sustained for an extended period of time. So there is a very real cause and effect of being outside of the parameters of kind of the rhythm of nature, which leads us to what you said about chronobiology. What even is that? I know the basics of it is like the science of time and how time affects our biology and our health and our physiology. So what that looks like is our understanding is that there's this basic kind of circadian rhythms. And so circadian being circa, so around 24 hours for, for humans. 
and a little, you know, plus or, well, uh, there's a little bit of a deviation between uh, the 24 hour, but it's about 24 hours each day that the rhythm that we're on. Uh, and because we're diurnal creatures is uh, meaning that we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. With that, that's kind of the basic umbrella by which we operate under. But there's this understanding that for so many thousands and thousands of years, we didn't have the option like we do now to live this 24 hour uh, life cycle or lifestyle in such with such ease that we do today. For the most part, we were often really tethered to those rhythms of nature much more. So the sun would rise and it it likely wake you up. Uh, and so now you're up to some degree and there might be a little bit of staggering to a degree of different, you know, wake up schedules. But then when the sun would set, you're probably pretty much party over until the end of all of that, uh, until, you know, after that point. So then you'd be falling asleep shortly thereafter that sunset. And that's really how it went for so many thousands of years. There might be extra special things. You're, there's a battle, you're under attack or whatever, but now it's really, no, there's just, there's a Netflix series that we wanted to binge watch. And so that's, that's our version of a modern day battle or something. So with that, the ease by which we're able to really create a 24 hour schedule, um, while we all think of it as not that weird now, it would be incredibly strange behavior to stay up to like one in the morning, just lurking around, you know, in our tribes uh, for no good reason. <laughs> so, whereas now it's not that weird. You just had a bottle of wine, you had some popcorn and had Netflix and that was just a normal Saturday night. Also, what really struck me as you were speaking was the idea of we're active all day and then we sleep at night and how many first of all how many jobs require us to be flipped Ari? because there's night shifts obviously now yeah but also just the idea that we're active during the day like we don't have active lifestyles anymore unless we're you know we've become obsessed with working out and having our workout time but like realistically you know back in the day everything was harder and everything was work and so you probably were just naturally more tired at night I, you know, and I know that happens on days where you are very active. By the time the sun goes down, you're like, all right, I, I want to go to sleep. It's, it feels more natural. But do you think that like every person has their like unique chronotype? Are there people that can like do a different calendar? And like, how would you assess that, I guess? Yes, really good question. There are kind of some different camps in this conversation. So some people have it that yes, indeed, you, you can even test for this and uh, that there's, you know, uh, some theories that there are very, just very clear differences in um, our behaviors and tendencies with bedtime, wake time. And so leaning into that and, you know, some people have quizzes and, oh, you're, a, you're this type of animal, that type of animal. And then there's another kind of group that if we all were to align a bit more, so there's certain studies where people will be taken out into you know, they're in the wilderness for an extended period of time. And what we tend to see is that when there's, you know, the sun goes down and that's sort of the end, like there's no other external light sources, the temperature is going down in alignment, which is another cue for the body to kind of uh, calm down and go to sleep. And so when you're having some of those clear and consistent cues that overall, no matter what group people had said, oh, I'm a night owl, I'm an early bird, I'm a this, I'm a that, across the board, their sleep onset time moves earlier. So with that, what we want to look at is while there can be a little bit of a staggering of bedtime wake time, one of the big things that we look at at sleep as a skill is bringing in this kind of behavioral change elements and then the environmental change elements. And so when we start having regularity and consistency, 
with some of the cues that we can talk about too that really help make a difference of kind of telling the body, yay, it's time to do this day, take it on natural kind of internal coffee. And then, all right, now it's time to relax. And there's these things that can kind of signal that to the body that what we tend to see is that either way we get more aligned with those rhythms. And again, there might be a little bit of a tendency for some people to onset be a little bit earlier and wake up times to be a little bit earlier. But overall, it appears that as a group, we can move more aligned with those rhythms. Um, So that's the really interesting part that more and more studies are beginning to come out about too, just how off the course we've been with that, with some of those cues, which we can certainly get into too. Yeah. I mean, I would be silly not to say that there's certain nighttime rituals that I have or certain morning rituals naturally that we have, right. Of like, I like you talking about my cues. Cause I definitely have those cues where I'm like, Oh, okay. Like lately, and this is going to sound so silly, but lately I've been like, Oh, it's 11. I'm going to go watch golden girls in bed, which you're probably okay. like, don't watch blue light in bed. What are you doing? But something about that ritual of being like, I'm going to have that comforting music, those women's voices, it just like puts me in this other like, oh, I can relax now mode or like it, it, I feel like it also kind of cues being like a child and watching that, you know, my parents or something like that, right, where it's probably not the best cue, but it's a cue for me to get in bed, which is like something that I really need because I tend to like avoid going to like, I'm an avoider, like I will avoid going to bed, I'll find other things to do. But I know once I'm in bed, then I do actually like do my routine and and kind of get going, right? So it would be interesting for you to talk about even just like small shifts that people could start to make if they feel like, I think the one big thing, honestly, is like going to bed a little earlier. I think all of us could probably go to bed a half an hour to two hours earlier than we probably do. What sets us up for success in trying to move the needle there that's like, I know it's probably not all easy, but like, are there little things we can start to do? Yeah. So one, I love the, uh, that routine, that ritual. That's awesome. And yeah, sometimes depending on where we're at, you know, sometimes making that like a fun experience where it's not like this arduous thing where we have to do that, which likely we won't stick with it. The more we can lean into those things that make this like a fun experience and consistent, that can be a great, great place to begin. So it's fantastic. So having said that, one, your illumination note is kind of referred to as thought timing. And so thought timing can be really, really important. I think it's a lot of people that are doing the sleep disturbances will use me as an example where during a period of um, you know sleep difficulty or illnesses or out of nowhere, you know, I was like in this perpetually stressed and just like kind of spiraling and trying to find the thing that would like make me feel really happy. And I would sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And what do I know is that that's not healthy. And I know it's not healthy. And I know it is not good. And I know it's not healthy. 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 And I know it's
say like red lighting, like I've got this like red light over here, um, you know, like candles, all these different things to help shift to really as low lux output as possible in the evenings. And then, um, and then of course we, most of us know, I think, but even the application of it is not as easy as having total darkness in your bedroom at night. And so kind of setting that up. Uh, but I think many of us might know, oh yeah, I gotta, whatever, get those blackout shades or, you know, we might have a knowing of that, but we might not always think about in those hours leading up that that's super important too, for the production of enough melatonin so that when you're laying in bed, you're not just saying like, oh great, well, I made it totally dark in here, but now I'm not tired at all. And then that can be really frustrating and create its own kind of problems. Uh, so that's the top down most important one, which we could talk about others as well. Just that alone, I'm sitting here being like, okay, lower my light. I feel like there are times and I'm sure people that are listening are like, oh my gosh, I notice like for me, I notice when I stay with my parents, yeah. my dad is like, after dinner, the lights are always low. You know, there's always this sort of, and that's like how we grew up was like, it was always just kind of dark at night. Yeah. But like sleeping was good, you know? And now it's like, my husband loves lights on all the time. You know, <laughs> he like loves a bright room and he's like, well, I can't see. And it, you know, so I do feel like it kind of knocks me off when we're hanging out, you know, sometimes yeah. we'll spend nights doing our own thing, but that it's an interesting shift. And even, you know, honestly, I love the idea of just in the morning, like feeling like I want to go outside and just get that sunlight in my eyes. Yeah. Like how, I mean, it seems so obvious but like it makes so much sense like of course i want to wake up signal to my body it's daytime and i'm awake now and we're moving into this next part of our day today i mean it makes so much sense but i would love for you to speak a little bit just about how to adjust when things because i have a lot of moms that listen yes a lot of new moms that listen and they're like that's cool molly but like yeah. my baby feeds every four nights or my daughter was up throwing up at 4 a.m so yeah. like in those moments where you do get thrown off, you know, we all want to wake up and feel refreshed. We want to feel refreshed at least, not like, oh God, I'm waking up and I'm exhausted again. Like, what would you say for those moms that are just like sleep deprived and overwhelmed? What would you give them to say, like, start doing this tomorrow or start doing this the next day to like make these little changes? Yes. Oh, well, you really nailed it on all those points. Absolutely. And, um, uh, so absolutely, we want to make this as workable as possible and, and life's going to happen and there's going to be, you know, times when it works out and times when it doesn't. Uh, so how do we manage all that? So what we really have people lean into is actually, despite the fact that I've been talking about like ancestral health and how it was, it's like in caveman days and all these things. We also lean into technology to make a difference too and actually have it be our friend as well. So there's some really fantastic wearables on the market. Now, are they as good as polysonograms? No, but um, at the same time, they can be really, really helpful for us to get at least a decent gauge on quality of our sleep, but also the quality of some of those recovery indicators. So some of the sleep specific trackers currently in 2021, uh, we have people wearing either the Aura Ring, um, spelled O-U-R-A, no affiliation, and the BioStrap. And so, but then there's other sleep trackers that are out there that, you know, depending on how focused they are on sleep, but many of them can really help provide particularly for some of these other metrics that point to that recovery indicators that we're uh, mentioning. So say like um, HRV heart rate variability can be a really helpful one to understand how much level of like stress your body and mind are under based on those readouts. So they're getting a lot of attraction around COVID too, um, because looking at seeing that that can be kind of an indicator of when we're getting sick 
uh, when HRV kind of tanks. And so it used to be more of an um, athletes and coach specific kind of look and now more and more consumers are getting into that. So there's that one, there's heart rate, of course. So looking at that throughout the course of the night, respiratory rate that can also like, I've had some clients be able to tell uh, with enough kind of, uh, they were outside of the bell curve enough on their respiratory rate to get a sleep lab done. And then lo and behold, oh, okay, they have mild, moderate, severe sleep apnea. And then that can be a huge game changer to their sleep. And then body temperature can be another one that can be really fascinating too, because another one that comes into the game for, you know, immune system health or, you know, any viral load that you might be under because uh, that body temperature can often go up, but then for women with their uh, managing their site or any you know, people who are menstruating throughout the course of their time when they are menstruating, then typically uh, what we see is an upswing in their body temperature around certain parts of their cycle. So that can also be indicators that sleep might be disrupted during something cer certain periods. So that can help us be informed on some of the behaviors that we're making there. So those wearables can give us a tremendous amount of information. And there's already like all kinds of things in the works for even more things that are coming, which is really exciting. Um, you know, and, and blood oxygen readouts and where you fall as compared to other people in your age bracket. And, you know, just really, really can get connected to, all right, where are we at? Because often, I don't know about you or the listeners, but most of us, or I can certainly, I shouldn't say most of us, but I can speak for myself and for my clients, there can be a gray area with sleep. It's like, well, I think I went to bed at around X time. And I, I know I woke up one time, not really sure what time that was. And I don't know how long it was. You know, there's a lot of kind of question marks often, whereas some of these wearables can help kind of fill the gap of that, give us a sense of a baseline of like how many, how much, you know, sleep are we getting? The, you know, kind of how many numbers of wake-ups are we having? Oh, we can spot some patterns. Interesting. We're starting to see way more wake-ups on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday versus the rest of the week. What are some of the behaviors that we're shifting? Um, you can see even things like, you know, I've mentioned how things like um, when you're eating can affect uh, your readouts because then your body's having to digest while you're sleeping. So you might see an uptick in your heart rate, a drop in your HRV during that period. Alcohol is a big one that gets shown up too while we're sleeping, right? So then you can see a big old jump in your heart rate and your body temperature going up. So lots of things get uncovered that we might not have been aware, like, oh yeah, I can point to that thing that I did is resulting in real cause and effect. So that's one of the things that we lean into. So every person that we work with has a sleep tracker that we use as kind of a, the baseline to see what's working, what's not working. And then it can be really empowering because then you can see, oh my God, for years, I had all this data, you know, showing me sleeping at like certain amount of time. And now I'm doing all these new things. And look at this, like it's an actual measurable, like, Mount Everest climb of the amount of total sleep I'm getting now, or um, my heart rate is going down. You know, I have some clients that uh, over time, their heart rate goes down on average 10, 15 beats per minute throughout the course of, you know, the time that they're starting to really work on these things. And that can give a whole other experience of life. So it can really gamify a bit. I mean, the data that you're even talking about, like as a numbers nerd, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this must be so fun to look at. And like yes. you're saying, you actually, I mean, just like I do with people with their money and their inventory management. And you yes. know, you're, you're saying like, you give us some data and we can help you severely improve your, your sleep pattern. The fact that your heart rate can go down that much means also, right, you're not in this sort of like elevated anxious state in your sleep too. Like you're actually probably yes. getting very restful sleep because your body's really slowed down. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating because that can point to, yeah, how you're, when, when people say like, Oh, I, I fall asleep fine. You know, that's not for me. I just wake up and I feel exhausted. And that can be one of the many reasons that you can wake up and feel like that. Because if your body's having to do so much work throughout the course of the night, that can certainly be an element. Um, if you're, you know, snoring or your partner's snoring, uh, that can be either indications of, you know, possible elements of sleep apnea or certainly obstructed breathing. Uh, so all of those things can result in just feeling more dragging the next day. And, but when we have those numbers and yeah, we can absolutely gamify that and it can, cause I'm sure, right. You can look at someone's whatever inventory and then, you know, a whole lot about that story. So uh, yeah. 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 It's the same exact thing. I think it, when you analyze data, you get to be like a forensic scientist with it. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can pinpoint like, Oh, you had a terrible night's sleep Thursday, the 30th, you know, and they're like, how'd you know? And you're like, well, look at your data. <laughs> Exactly. I know. I had a client that was like, uh, she, what did, how did she say? She was so funny. And she called it like forensic sleepology. She was like, I love I, that. You know, there's like always somebody, you know, kind of like um, uh, someone like watching, you know, the observer effect. Cause then when you start to, and also just for being connected to the reality of things, because sometimes it can just stink. Like we are so tired. We might be, a, you know, a mom that has the kids and, uh, you know, there's wake ups throughout the course of the night and we're not even really clear what's going on. We just know that we're tired and things are not working. Um, whereas if we get up under those results and we can start to see, oh shoot, one of the tendencies is whatever, when there's that wake up, then, uh, you know, I might sleep in longer and then, but when I sleep in longer, while in the moment, it feels like the most loving thing to do for, for our bodies on the flip side down the road, it tends to then have us, oh, we're not quite as tired at the same time in the evening. Now we're going to bed later. Now we're sleeping in again or up and down all around. So all these kind of snowball effects, when we have that data, we can often kind of upstream shift and course correct a bit sooner. I could talk to you about this for like three more hours because sleep is something we inherently do, but it's not something we're inherently good at necessarily. And especially yeah. during today's feeling pulled in directions, having all this tech, being so connected, also wanting to stay connected with the world and what's going on because we are feeling isolated. I mean, I think there's that push and pull right now too. So Lord knows like half of what you talked about, I was like, oh yeah, my husband was snoring this morning. I went to sleep on the couch and right. go back up there, you know, and then he woke up and he's like a little like groggy and I'm like, you okay? You know, but it's like those things. It's like the quality of our sleep is really linked to the quality of our life. I mean, yes. to be extreme, but like, I kind of think that's what you're saying. Yes, it is. You nailed it. Absolutely. And yeah, and cause you're pointing to so many things too, and it has been normalized in our society too, or even like like the snoring topic, it can be, it's like on cartoons and you see the person yeah. snoring. So oh, that's funny. Um, but then there can be a really real life effect where, um, you know, that can really shift some of the overall health and well-being, um, cardiovascular health, all of these things. And, you know, um, and again, not to, uh, you know, you're saying like not to be extreme and there can be just that awareness that things like this can result in, you know, upticks and things like all cause mortality going up when we're just consistently not getting that recovery that we need. And so I'm not saying that to be like, you know, fear-based or what have you, but just more to take the steps to take action uh, because we might just normalize it and be like, you know, kind of have the goldfish analogy where the goldfish doesn't know that they're in the water. It's like when, because like for me, I, until it got so bad, I just thought that that was my life and that's, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, 
internalize mm-hmm. it. Probably it's also what we see and what we hear too. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't think anyone's like walking around being like, I sleep so well and I'm like so rested and so recharged. I mean, I think everyone's default is like, I'm so tired. I'm so yeah. overwhelmed. I don't, you know, like I think that would probably be most, most people. Yes, absolutely. And, and there's a reason like, so it's kind of like that Um, I'm butchering the saying, but it's some sort of version of like, you know, it's not necessarily um, a winning strategy to adjust to the the tendencies or habits of a, you know, not really workable society. And so at the, at right now, like in 2020, the amount of Google searches for even like insomnia or sleep health were through the roof. It was the highest that it's been, you know, since we've been tracking these keyword searches. There's a large group of us that are just not getting sufficient sleep. And then we're all kind of thinking that this is normal uh, behavior and not knowing that um, what could be possible on the other side of it. I know certainly in my example that I didn't know that it was possible to, you know, shift over to what I was sharing with like different wake up times and just being so counter to like, you know, the time I'm waking up is like around the time I used to go to bed, like, you know, it's just a whole upside down lifestyle you know, really important is just to, you know, remember that there is what's, uh, what's possible is to one, get connected to It's the reason why we call it sleep as a skill is that I think we might have this misnomer that, well, you know, it's, it's everyone can do it. So what's no need to really look any further there, but the same way we look at nutrition with, um, you know, kind of a, a microscope and there's a whole theories around that same way we look at like exercise and uh, different ways of structuring that. I think there's really an importance and a time for now really looking at the skill set of sleep and that there are so many things that we might not be aware of that we're doing that are just setting us up for kind of unfortunate results. And then also kind of creating this impact for others too. Like, so in the snoring example, there might be the partner might be dealing now with like those micro wake ups. So there can just be this snowball effect. So, and a real quick, since we were talking about the snoring, um, even there's exciting apps and tech that are available. Like there's for free, you can get the snore lab app. And it will kind of, from the data um, element of things, it will kind of gamify, you get like a little score. You can even play back the audible um, periods of snoring and maybe sleep talking or whatever's going on. But it will give like a, a number of the, out of the end of the period of time that you're sleeping, like how much of that was spent snoring and to what degree. So it'll kind of grade that. And then the goal is to make adjustments, whether it's Um, getting, you know, a sleep lab, but there's even wearables that can be sent uh, to your space. You don't even have to go anywhere to get kind of those readouts of, do you have obstructive breathing or um, sleep apnea or what's going on there? If it looks like some of the readouts are warrant that if it's enough throughout the course of the night. Uh, And so stuff like that can just like be game changing. I have clients that they lose weight. Now they're, um, you know, it's like the sky is brighter. The colors are brighter because they're actually getting sleep. So it doesn't have to be this like, you know, annoying experience while it might take a couple of steps on the front end, you can, you know, really get your life back in a lot of ways. If there are some of those things that are just really not working. Oh, you're blowing my mind. And I like needed to hear all this. And I hope everyone that's listening needed to hear this too. Um, we want to, we want to figure this out. We're in a stage where we want to figure this out. How can we connect with you? You have your own podcast. What is the best way to kind of connect with you and learn more? Cause I know there's going to be people that are like, Oh my God, that's me. Or, Oh my gosh, I want this quiz. I got to figure out how to change or figure any of this out. Yes. Yes. Um, so if you're in that state, no matter if it's like, 
you know, kind of inkling of like, oh yeah, that might be nice. Or if you're like, no, I need it, it's like desperate. So no matter where you're on the spectrum, our aim is to provide, um, you know, different options for everyone and no matter price point or what have you. So we have a lot of free um, things. So if you go to sleepisaskill.com, we have a sleep assessment that you can take on there and then it will give you kind of tailored targeted information to you. So you can start taking, you know, action really the goal is immediately. Then it also signs you up for a weekly uh, newsletter, which is all around kind of the latest and greatest on sleep experiments, optimization, news, tech, all kinds of stuff uh, to help make a difference there. We have weekly sleep uh, podcasts that we put out too uh, to go deeper so you can learn all of these different things. And then if you're also like, okay, yeah, and I really need some support and need uh, accountability or what have you, then we have the small group options and one-on-one -on -one options all through a course platform. So all of that is with the aim of really being able to create tangible shifts in that wearable data so that you can see like, okay, this is how it was and this is how it is now. And you did that through like, you know, it can be really empowering through, oh my gosh, just a shift in my behavior. Well, you know, we don't get into the supplements part of things often until a bit further on down the, down the pike too, you know, so that, that is like an option that can make a difference. But often if you're, if you're not kind of nailing some of the foundational basics, then, you know, just, it can be a waste of money, honestly, just getting all those bottles of supplements if we're not doing the basics. You know, listen, we all want a quick fix to our problems. Yes. But we've created these problems over years and years. And so I think like to think that we can, you know, that's the prescription formula. Great. Yeah. Anyone can take an Ambien, but that's not yeah. going to help you for five years. You know, that's not going to help yeah. you for the rest of your life. You've spent a lifetime kind of working through these problems on your own, creating them yourself. It's going to take a couple months. I mean, I know for me, because we've traveled so much, it does take time to transition. It does take time to figure out what the new cues are in the new spaces. And, you know, there's a lot of that management. So I'm a big believer in like anything that you want to dramatically change your life is going to take time. And we yes. we're okay with that. Yeah, you nailed it. Absolutely. And I also want to put in too, like, no shame. Um, our, our goal is to make this a no shame environment because I was there. I got the prescription for the Ambien and I was desperate and I took the Ambien. And yeah, why wouldn't you? Time, I need right? to sleep. Like, yeah. sleep. What do I do? And yet at the same time, it was like uh, exactly what you're pointing to of what's the real long-term game here. And I felt so disempowered. It was like an internal fight every time I was taking like you know, taking the little thing, throwing it back at night and feeling like, oh my God, this is like an all time low. I can't even sleep. Like, you know, really? And at the same time, I was desperately looking for the quick fix, honestly. Like I, and I went through all, all the supplements. I went through all the things, absolutely looking for that. And it really took some kind of soul searching and kind of rediscovering my own inner locus of control to say, oh, okay, so this is actually not empowering me to then be externally searching for a fix when really so much of this is my own internal management system and the environment that I'm kind of um, being a part of and creating. So yes, you nailed it. But yeah, so our intention is to be able to supply as much resources, no matter where people are at to make a difference really immediately is our goal, but over the long term, as you also pointed to, because it's a long-term game.
Molly, thank you so much for coming and talking about sleep. I think you make it so interesting and so exciting. And like, I want to implement some of this stuff immediately because I'm like, I could do better at that. Even these little baby changes, I can wake yes. up in the morning and go stand outside for 20 minutes. Absolutely. To me, these are actionable things that I want to implement now because I want better sleep. I don't, I think we all do. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Absolutely. And there's more where that came from too. Cause you know, we didn't even talk, there's like temperature and all these different oh things. So I'm more sure to- you are like, you're the sleep guru. I'm sure you have 18 more topics that you could talk for. I mean, you yes. just the whole weekend. Yes. Summer, you know, but start with what you've said. Exactly. Like start yeah. with the morning sunlight, start with the connection to just awareness, like an audit of kind of your environment and what's working, what's not working. It's a fantastic place to begin, start to see, get empowered. And then from there, you can always, you know, take it to the next level. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Such a pleasure to have you as a guest and just your deep knowledge of all of this stuff is I think going to just empower people to say like, wait, I don't have to be a bad sleeper. I don't have to have these narratives. Let me start working. Let me like go to Molly's site and see what kind of sleeper I am or start listening to her podcast. I mean, guys, like, you know, you listen to my podcast, subscribe to Molly's too. <laughs> like, start getting into this because really our sleep is our health and our health is our wealth. And like, if we want to be successful, we got, we've got to focus on this stuff. So I really appreciate you coming to talk about it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I so admire all the work you've been doing. I know we spoke before we started recording of just, you know, mutual admiration and you're making such a difference for so many people. So keep up the great work and thank you so much for having me on the show. Are you looking for a community of inclusive, amazing boutique CEOs who value diversity? What about a safe, drama-free group that shares tips, tricks, and lessons learned? How about a virtual support group to help you navigate boutique land? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I want to invite you to join over 7,000 other boutique CEOs in the free Facebook group, the Boutique Training Academy Tribe. The tribe is a positive group for aspiring and established boutique owners. We are welcoming and accepting of all boutique CEOs, regardless of where you are at in your business. In the tribe, you'll find weekly discussions to help you find vendors, ask questions about point of sale software, and prompts that promote growth both for your business and for your mindset. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join the free Boutique Training Academy tribe on Facebook. We've left a link in the show notes for you. See you there.